Welcome to On Air Commandos, a podcast about personal and professional growth for all big A airmen. I'm Airman First Class Drew Seibert, and joining me today is 27th Special Operations Wing Commander Colonel Terrence Taylor and First Lieutenant Leanne DeAndrea, 27th Special Operations Mission Support Group Spark Cell Representative. All right. So, innovation. Let's let's talk innovation. We'll get right into it. I, as junior enlisted, am so used to hearing that word. It has become like another resiliency at this point. Um, I I would like to know what your thoughts are in terms of that. Is it being used too much? Is it being used not enough? What type of thoughts and feelings go into that when when you hear that? Because I I'm I'm not necessarily speaking for all junior enlisted, but we hear that word so often. What does it actually mean? Yeah, I'll kick it off here with that one. So when I hear the term innovation, uh, I have come to realize that it it actually means different things to different people. Um, The natural inclination is to is to think about and talk about innovation uh, in terms of what widget can we create to do something that hasn't been done before or that could possibly do it better. I tend to think more in terms of an innovative mindset. And I know we'll talk more about culture as we go on today, but you know, I think innovation can be a number of different things. It can be uh, a new way of looking at things. It can be process improvement. Uh, it could be uh, a way of giving uh, airmen time back. Um, all those things go into innovation, uh, but probably most importantly, uh, this 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 innovative culture and innovative mindset uh, is specifically here that we're trying to uh, promote in the 27th Special Operations Wing is one in which everyone feels like they can bring um, thoughts for improvement, for change up to their leaders, up to their peers uh, without feeling like their their ideas are going to be discredited or, you know, devalued. So that's that's essentially what I think about when I think about innovation, um, because I, I tend to, again, talk about it in terms of an innovative mindset, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What do you think, LT? For me, coming into the military as a relatively newer service member, I'm about to hit my three-year mark, sir. And I think previously the U.S. had this unchallenged superiority and we're moving into a time where that's no longer the case. I think watching that for me has kind of spurred what innovation means to me because now it's becoming even more critical that the DOD becomes better customers to this emerging technology like AI and VR and and all those potentially buzzwords. So that's kind of shaped innovation to mean for me that you have this ability to see past those standard accepted practices or principles or processes that you can sit at your desk and you can see a different way of doing things, even if the way you're doing them right now technically is working. It might not be broken, but you have this ability to see a potentially better way to do things, more efficient, different, thinking differently. Because to me, innovation, it's all about context. You're not really going to get innovative sitting in the same building, at the same desk, at your computer. So it's kind of about context for me and just being able to see that dream state of what your organization could be. Yeah, that's that, that's spot on. And, I, and for those of you who listen, listening or watching, um, so Lieutenant DeAndrea is uh, highly engaged in our spark cell and she's been doing that for some time now. So has looked at this problem set, if you will, from a bunch of different angles. So I, I appreciate that, that perspective and I couldn't agree more. 
So when it comes to that, like I, I know you're you're you want to foster that innovation, innovative mindset. How do we get the airmen at that lowest level? How do we get them into that mindset? Is is there a specific path or teaching methodology that can be used to show the airmen that yes, just because it's working this way doesn't mean it can can't be better? Is is there a specific way we can kind of get that into the airman's head. You know, I actually think that it's the the barrier isn't our airmen. The barrier is largely people like me, you know, who are used to doing things a certain way for so long. Uh, our airmen come in with innovative ideas all the time. Um, they have thought processes on and, and ways that, that they feel that we can improve, uh, things that we can improve on. And what could happen is they bring that idea up and, again, it gets squashed almost immediately. And what that does is a couple of things. Number one, it's direct feedback that um, we don't want to hear your, your ideas, you know, your, your uh, ideas on improvement. Um, and that word spreads. I mean, you, you, we got to believe that, you know, that conversation is being had in the chow hall or at the DFAC or back in the dorms. And, and then that just – that essentially quells a um, – the, the culture of innovation that we're trying to build. So I think that the barrier many times is more so on, on those of us who actually have the opportunity to uh, empower someone to provide an idea and to run with it. I really do believe that not only are our airmen our competitive advantage, but particularly our young and new airmen to Cannon Air Force Base, like they're the ones with the freshest set of eyes. You know, they're the ones that can see things and almost immediately determine, man, I wonder why they do it like that. Like, you know, I worked wherever, you know, either on active duty or before I joined the military. And, and this seems like an archaic way of doing business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if we're not open to that feedback, then that's where it stops. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is a way that we can foster that at a higher level is it is it just retraining is it is it explaining the situation what can be done i think being able to set up the proper environments where more senior leadership has that opportunity to to kind of be vulnerable and allow people to share these what might be perceived as these wild ideas because the way you get good ideas is through getting a lot of ideas because that's how you connect the people with all these little pieces of a good idea and put them all together and then you get this this incredible idea. And a quick data point that I've noticed from being involved in the past three Spark Tank campaigns here at Cannon Air Force Base, the one that we got the most participation is, in was this most recent Spark Tank. And it was because we didn't go about it as let's put a slide in wing leadership meeting, let's go to commander's calls. Instead, we sent out an email and said, we're going to be sitting in this room from these times and come talk to us. And that was how we got the most participation. So I think removing those barriers is going to be just about providing those opportunities mm -hmm. to to be heard and to be connected. Okay. I think too, from a, you know, just from a leadership perspective, um, as I kind of think through this question, there are at least three things that tangible things that leaders can do to foster uh, a, a culture of innovation. The first is, and, and you have to understand, you know, like many times individuals in positions of leadership, uh, particularly if it's their first opportunity at doing something like that, whether it's a flight chief or a squadron commander or, or what have you, 
but you feel like there's like you've followed the steps to get to where you are and you're reticent to uh, accept or initiate anything that's outside of the norm because you feel like the, you know, the investment that you made, you've made could result in, you know, stymied progress, you know, going forward. So I think that we as leaders first need to overcome the fear of um, deviating from what may or may not be the norm. And that that is not easy to do, I will tell you, especially for uh, someone who's new to a, a leadership role. Um, I recently read an article uh, in the Harvard Business Review. It's called To Foster Innovation, Cultivate a Culture of Intellectual Bravery. And two things that that article pointed out were that we need to respond constructively to disruptive ideas and that when we reject feedback, we need to explain why. So just having the conversation, I think, with individuals as they bring uh, new and possibly disruptive ideas uh, forward is something that we can do. Secondly, uh, we need to make it known what we what we value. So it's no surprise that uh, maybe uh, tactical prowess or, you know, combat time or, or whatever it is that is kind of uh, a, a key part of your AFSC. You know, we, re- we, we reward those things in, in quarterly and annual awards and 1206s and uh, promotions and those types of things. But as leaders, if we can also take the opportunities to highlight not just the wins in innovation, but the attempts at innovation, then that goes so far because that is another way of sending a message uh, to our force about, you know, what it is that we value and people will be, uh, they'll, they'll be more apt to, to come forward uh, with those ideas. And then the third thing that I'd offer is that in an environment of, of finite uh, resources, leaders need to be clear on where we're willing to take risk. And I actually got this advice uh, from uh, a captain uh, by the name of Evan Hansen, who served as a, uh, as my J-4 when I was deployed to Afghanistan. He had done a lot of work and, and has, has written about, uh, you know, moving uh, innovation forward in the Air Force. And I asked him, you know, what, what advice would you give me, you know, as a senior leader to uh, when it comes to fostering this culture of innovation and building this innovative mindset? And he said, the, probably the most important thing that you can do is to be clear on where you're willing to accept risk. Because we were asked on any given day to do everything, Right. And we can't do that, especially in an environment of finite resources. So when I say just like I, uh, if I'm hiring, hiring an exec, for example, I understand that whoever, whatever individual that I pull from one of the, the ops group or the, the medical group or the, uh, the MSG or the maintenance group, that is going to come at a detriment. To, to at least a portion of that mission. But we accept that because it's also important for their development and growth and because there's a niche or a role that needs to be filled, for example, on my staff. So if we do that on the innovation side as well, if we you know fully man the innovation cell, if we provide the spark cell with the, with the resourcing that they need, again, that sends a message that this is something that's important to, to the commander and to the leadership here, understanding that there will be some things other things that won't get done. But again, this is the priority. So mm-hmm. I think if we approach it that way, because all those things provide feedback to, to the individuals and to the force. I'm glad you brought up the like the finite resource. I was actually doing some research on this. And in an article from November of 2020, uh, the Air Force American Needs, Innovation, Spark Tank, and Ideas to Sustain Air Force Dominance, they actually had a very interesting graph in which Spark Tank projects, where are they now? 
And this was, uh, they contacted all the finalist recipients from 2018 and 2019 competitions um, and then followed up with the, the like a status and update on, on where they were. And most got stopped right away. A lot of the scope was reduced. Um, a few were canceled. Two were successful. And then like the scope was primarily reduced in at least, at least four of them. Now, reading through the article, it was a matter of just kind of continued engagement and follow-up. And that seemed to be where a lot of it was falling off. I, I know the article that you're referring to, and I, I have two separate thoughts on kind of what that article is, what what my takeaway message is from that article. Mm-hmm. The first one being, I think it's kind of missing the positive that although these ideas didn't go on to be this continued amazing thing that the DOD still uses today, at least these people had had the motivation and, and they dared to think differently. They dared to take their problem and look at it in a new context and, and do something about it. So I think that's the the positive aspect of it. But then the negative aspect of it is these ideas did fall off because they didn't necessarily have that follow-up that, that they deserved because these airmen took time out of their days, out of their duty hours, to out of their free time to think about how to do something better and they didn't get the follow-up that they may have needed. And I think that's why it's so important to provide airmen with resources, whether it be space, dedicated staff, somebody to provide them that follow-up that that they deserve. And it was actually PA here on the Air Commando app. They provided us a submit your idea little widget on the app. So <laughs> wherever you are with your iPhone, you can just click submit an idea. And then that idea actually goes straight to the 27th South Spark Cell org box. And we respond to every single one of those ideas. And that came from that article because we saw that effect and how that could kind of put a damper on this culture of innovation. So we make sure that we follow up with every idea that comes in through mm-hmm. that app because it's it's about those relationships. It's about connecting people who might not have been connected otherwise. So even just a quick response or a quick, let me forward you off to this person, just getting people to where they need to go, that could have saved some of these ideas in that article from falling off. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that so if if that's the article that I'm thinking of, I think that was co-written by uh, Evan Hansen, uh, the yes. gentleman that I referred to. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> now that we get to that point of helping you know airmen understand why their ideas matter, and you you've mentioned it before, you know that quick response with the app is very helpful when it comes to that. What other what other tools can be utilized aside from just having an open mind and being like, just because this is how it was done in the past doesn't necessarily mean it's by how it needs to get done now. What else do you think can be fostered to help in that, in that situation? Uh, you know, I think just again, from a leadership perspective, uh, approachability and willingness to listen. Um, and, and that, I mean, that goes beyond innovation, right? I mean, that's just, um, also just a good characteristic or quality, I think of, uh, you know, that, that we expect in our leaders, but ultimately I don't, I don't want there to be barriers between someone who, who feels like they have an innovative thought or a way that we can do something better and either their supervisor or, or the, the spark cell or like, I don't want there to be barriers that exist there. There will be a mechanism to kind of, kind of, you know, look at everything and say, okay, 
good idea, but maybe not now, or this is something that's a little bit outside of, you know, the resourcing that we have. But I think the, again, the, the feedback piece of that is important, but, you know, I, I am all for building this culture of innovation, which I think, uh, has to, has to really put the opportunity for those ideas to be heard in the acceleration lane, you know, uh, not, not in the, in the, in the speed bump, <laughs> lane, you know what I mean? So, so my hope is that, that we can continue to knock down barriers. But I think, uh, one of the key things is just going to be from a leadership perspective. Um, cause that's typically, I mean, who do you go to when you feel like there's something that can, that, that is outside of your control that could be done better. It's going to be, you're, you're going to look to, you know, the, the individual that's uh, next up in the leadership chain likely. And that's exactly what we're always taught is, you know, just boot it up the chain, do it, do it like that. Talk to your chain of command. And, you know, unfortunately, that seems to be where a lot of the, the bottlenecking happens. Let, let's step back away from little little airmen over here and let, let's talk a little bit wider. Let's let's talk in terms of 2-7 Sow. What have we done in terms of innovation? Because I know like we've been at the forefront. We've been, you know, we've been using the term pathfinding a lot recently in the past calendar year. What does that necessarily entail? Whether it be in the spark cell, whether it be just wing initiatives, what give me like a, a kind of grand scheme sure. view on that. Maybe it's best to, to kind of go from the ground up and I'll, I'll uh, ask uh, Lieutenant DeAndrea to kind of talk a little bit about this last iteration of the spark tank, um, because I think it starts with individuals, but then there are broader organizational changes mm-hmm. uh, that we're attempting as well. So uh, what would you have to say on that, LT? So I'd say our spark cell has consistently been pretty good at the the spark tank competition, but that's only a, a snippet of what this AFWERX innovation umbrella term really has to offer the Air Force. And I think that's something that we could truly work on is taking advantage of some of those small business innovation research contracts, taking advantage of utilizing squadron innovation funds in, in effective ways and taking advantage of some of the resources that people might not even know exist. So just kind of wrapping that into your, what are some of the barriers and how do we break them down? I think having somebody to break that down, because we kind of do that with our MFLAX on base, right? They're, that's a staff who's dedicated to helping airmen navigate their resources. So sort of having that same kind of mindset for the spark cell, people working in the spark cell, volunteering with the spark cell, just having them be that person that can help you navigate your resources, having them be that person that says, hey, I have this idea, or hey, I have this problem. Are there resources within innovation that can help? And and some examples, public health, I think, is the that's the first example that comes to my mind when the pandemic first kicked off and there, there was no really COVID-19 dashboard that existed that could provide you this complete picture of the infectious rates by county. And that's what our public health needed to make these informed decisions for our base regarding quarantine. So our public health office partnered with a small business to create exactly that dashboard. And that company used artificial intelligence to create a map that updated in real time so they could make these informed decisions about quarantine without having to do all of that highly technical calculations beforehand. So it saved them, their small team, an enormous amount of time so they could do other things. What we owe the airmen to to be even more successful would be to unify those efforts because there's probably a lot of duplicated efforts going on and we don't even realize it. But as far as successes, I think we, we have made some successful partnerships 
We've made some smart purchases with Squadron Innovation Funds, and we've been successful in the Spark Tank competition. But regardless of how many contestants make it to that AFSOC top five, which we have had some, uh, I think the really important part is how many people are participating. I think that measures our success as a Spark Cell. And this year we had more participants than the past three years that I've been involved. So I think that is in itself a, a tribute to its success. Those are my thoughts. No, that's that's really good. And I, I just pile on to that. So I think about it kind of internal to the 2-7 Sal, but also not just internal to the 2-7 Sal, but also the, the effects that we would have externally. So I'll start with a couple of tangible examples. Just, you know, being new, stepping into the seat uh, this past summer, a couple of individuals came to me uh, asking about ways that we could give airmen some time back. So we changed, uh, you know, the battle rhythm a bit to accommodate that. Another example was, you know, on the maintenance side of the house, they have a number of things that that can be delegated uh, down to the maintenance ops group commander level. Uh, they came to me with a, a, a list of, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 types of things that, you know, uh, is this something that you, you'd be willing to kind of give, give us a blanket delegation for? And my answer was, yeah, you know, after looking at each one of them. And I mean, that's something that I think that that, again, is, is a way of removing speed bumps. Um, but uh, but giving someone the, the, the leeway to to execute, you know, uh, more flatly and more efficiently. Mm-hmm. As I think about some of our broader organizational changes, the first one that comes to mind is the mission sustainment team, the MST, which we talk a lot about uh, here at Cannon Air Force Base and uh, now is talked a lot about outside of the 2-7 SAO as well. This is uh, an initiative that we've been able to pathfind not just for AFSOC, but in some ways for the Air Force as well. And essentially it is, if you think about uh, taking different skill sets from within the mission support group and bringing them together to work and train together as a team with a deliberate force generation uh, construct. So they, they train together and then ultimately uh, deploy or, you know, work in the committed phase of the, the, uh, the force generation cycle together. That is something that a lot of people have looked at different ways of doing it. And we have looked at a way of doing it and it seems to have worked for us, but that's, that's one way that, you know, certainly we're kind of cracking the code and and to use your word pathfinding uh, in, in many ways. And then the, final thing I'd offer is just on the operations and maintenance integration. Uh, and this is something that you know, was, uh, the idea came to us uh, from AFSOC and makes complete sense in, in the sense that we, we need to be able to organize in garrison the way that we are going to employ in the fight. Uh, and right now, uh, it's a little disjointed, i.e. we have the maintenance stovepipe and we have the op stovepipe. And yes, they get along very well and, and generate aircraft. But ultimately, when going downrange, they're going to be serving together, likely under one commander, right? So why not bring that together and do that in garrison so that we can actually employ the way that we're used to employing and we can build those relationships and people can go through the entire preparation and, and training and deployment phase together. So that's another way that we're, uh, we're tackling some of the uh, pathfinding initiatives and the innovative uh, mindset here in the, in the 2-7-0. I would say that in terms of using innovation correctly, it, it should be kind of one of those light bulb moments where it's why haven't we done this before? Why haven't we always been doing this? Why is this something new? And I think that 
it's one of those moments where you're just sitting there going, I can't believe we haven't done this already. Innovation isn't just necessarily a new thing. It could be a new way of doing an old thing, which with less, which is what <laughs> which is what they've all been doing. I'm going to kind of be devil's advocate a little bit here, and I apologize in advance. Um, but Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Cassum with the U.S. Air Force uh, came out with an article. Uh, it was it was an editorial called Toward an Innovative Innovation Strategy for the U.S. Air Force. And he actually brought up three very interesting points as to why innovation has become difficult to achieve in modern-day Air Force. Air Force today has evolved, as most organizations inevitably do, into a performance engine culture. With the three factors, empowerment, education, and evaluation, he kind of goes in depth into discussing why innovation isn't kind of, why we've kind of fallen behind a little bit in terms of, you know, big, big Air Force. We're not that pathfinding Air Force that we were when we were led by all the Mavericks in like the, the, the late 40s when we first came on the scene. We don't teach innovation well. We And that's something we've kind of touched on, how it kind of gets stagnated and bottlenecked. Um, the Air Force does have a formal education system that doesn't deliberately incorporate instruction on creative or critical thinking in any recurring way. And I did like what you had brought up about maybe having that class for, you know, bringing when we bring in those new airmen, kind of like an FTAC or like MFLAC, was it you said, I believe? Yes. Um, but we have to make it so that it's not just another box to check off on on the the in-processing checklist because that's you get that list and you're like okay i gotta do this i have to do that i have to have this briefing um so we i i feel like we would need to make that not stand out in any in any way but make it make it known that this is an important like this is something that 27 sal specifically is trying to do and we're trying to incorporate we do need to kind of showcase more what we like that end result because you can say you know you can say as much as you want from the start be like this is what we want to do this is what we we're going to do but unless you have those like those proven results it it becomes a okay so what i think kind of what you're hitting on and correct me if i'm wrong is you don't know what you don't know exactly that's exactly what i was just circling around to so <laughs> and i think a way to potentially get after that is providing providing more opportunities. Uh, when I when I came back from a deployment, I had applied to do this industry immersion program, and it was a, it was an eight week immersion program where I actually got paired up with a startup company, and I was no longer an employee of my squadron commander. I was working full time for this startup company, and it was eight weeks, and yeah, that's a long time, but the the benefit and the lessons that I brought back, I think have absolutely paid off. And, and I think it's just about not necessarily talking about it, but immersing yourself in it. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to learn how to swim from a PowerPoint. You got to jump into the deep end and start paddling. So <laughs> I think really how to get after that and how to get after actually doing this culture of innovation thing that everyone keeps talking about is immersing people in it, having them actually do it, having a space that people can walk into and incubate, if you will, on their ideas and connect with other people who they probably wouldn't have connected with otherwise. Sitting down in the innovation space and having an airman from the med group walk in and you're an airman in the maintenance group and you guys probably wouldn't have crossed paths, but now you've made this connection. And that that's how a, a culture of innovation grows, in, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And that's how you that's how you know what you don't know.
where you start to learn anyways. That's true. And that's something that I've I've kind of found since you know, this is my first base. Uh, this is my first ever assignment straight out of tech school. And something that I've learned is I, as much as PA is out there and seeing it all and being there and, and witnessing it all, I, I don't really know anyone outside of my shop. And that see and that would actually be like a good a good idea is to have like that space where you can have that communal that communal feel so you can get to know people from other squadrons and like i know a few i know a couple i i enjoy them but i also came in at the wrong time i came in midway through the pandemic where everyone was either teleworking or low man so like i didn't get that that full experience my my ftech was virtually done on zoom so i feel like i kind of missed out on that a little bit but having something like that would be very helpful i believe and you made a really good point earlier too how your pa right y'all don't write articles about that idea that kind of flopped in the end so i think having that space where you can connect with people who have these good ideas but they may not necessarily turn into this big dod wide <laughs> air force times article thing because the mission sustainment team, the MDT, all those things are innovative and they're awesome, but that's just a snapshot of the innovative capabilities and ideas that our airmen have. The other ones just may not necessarily have that DOD-wide application, but that doesn't mean that it's not a perfect fit for Cannon Air Force Base or a specific squadron on Cannon Air Force Base. So I think that's a that's an important catch-all so you get that full culture of innovation. So when it comes to that, do you happen, and, and I'm sure there's stuff that we probably can't talk about because, you know, innovation still in like the, the planning phases and everything like that. But are there any cool ideas that have been kind of put up for the spark cell that, you know, PA hasn't been made aware of because it just hasn't gotten to that level yet? Or is there anything like in the pipe that's, you know, interesting or intriguing? I think so. There we go. I'm kind of looking at Colonel Taylor to see how much I can talk about because there's one idea that's kind of at the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the emotional intelligence. Yeah, tool. that's the one I was thinking of too. Yeah. So, so that wasn't a uh, finalist, I don't think, uh, one of ours. But um, one of the things I, I asked the the, uh, uh, the Spark Cell to do was for those that weren't chosen to kind of go on to the next level. Um, we need to do something with the other ones too, because again, this, this sends a message to our airmen who have brought forth these ideas. And, you know, I, I don't want to just say good idea. Thanks. And they never hear from us again, Yeah. but these are legitimately good ideas. So the one that comes, comes to mind is the, uh, uh, emotional intelligence assessment. It is basically a, a short survey, uh, that you can, you can give to peers. It's similar. If you think about, if you're familiar with the, uh, 360 degree feedback, mm -hmm. it's like that only on a much smaller scale. It's something that we could, you know, manage internally. And it was developed by one of our chaplains, but I've got a handful of incoming squadron commanders this summer. And I want them, you know, individuals who are currently serving as DOs and, and you know, will soon be squadron commanders. So this is something that we can use to help them assess their emotional intelligence as they, you know, look to step into the next level of leadership. So that's an example of how we can um, how we can use some of the ideas that, you know, although they may not win at the wing level or at the uh, at the AFSOC level or at the Air Force level, there's still good ideas and there's there's still utility in that. The other thing I would offer, and I can't help but think back to kind of where we all started here within SOF. You know, you go back to 
uh, April 24th, 1980, Desert One, the failed Iranian hostage rescue attempt, right? Many look at that as a, a mission failure or a tactical failure. But I would, I would argue that none of us would be sitting here today serving in the capacity that we were in had not those, those individuals taken that leap and had the guts to try and do something that had never been done before. So although you know, it was a tactical failure, ultimately there was a lot of goodness that came from that, uh, you know, even though there was, you know, resulted in a tragic loss of life. So as I kind of walk through that and, and think about it, and understand that, I mean, at the at the bedrock of what we are in special operations, the soft ethos, it comes from that you know having overcoming the fear and having the wherewithal and and the impetus to try things that maybe have not been done before or that are a little bit risky. Like that is a part of our DNA, you know. So if we can't do that now. You know, who else is going to do it? I, I, I just feel like we are we are so postured to do that. You know, we can we can directly affect how that is approached within the two seven sound. But I will also tell you that at the AFSOC level, like there is ultimate support for those types of initiatives. And at the Air Force level, we've heard General Brown say and tell us that we need to accelerate change mm-hmm. like <laughs> there shouldn't be any barriers. You know, we've got literally backing at every echelon of leadership. So it just seems to me that now is the absolute right time uh, and the best time to capitalize on on some of these initiatives. I agree. That's basically all I've got. Do you have any anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I'll add uh, maybe just a couple of things and then I'll turn it over to the LT to wrap us up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... One of the things that I read recently was the letter uh, from the chief of staff of the Air Force. It was a letter to our airmen, innovation letter to our airmen. I think it came out in last September. He said, innovation's more than a buzzword. It goes beyond just creative thinking and, and lofty expectation. It is evolutionary or revolutionary changes to existing processes, capabilities, and mindsets. So as we talked about, you know, what does innovation mean and, and has it become a buzzword? Maybe to an extent, which is why, you know, he, he's addressed it in this in this way. But I think it is, uh, it's bigger than that. You know, uh, he goes on to say that we value, we value boldness and initiative. And as I said, I think that that directly translates to what it is that we do here in the 27th Special Operations Wing. I'll give you just a, a, a very quick anecdote. So recently, uh, General Slife came to visit, and one of the things I mentioned to him was, I said, sir, I feel like we are stepping into a lot of change here in the 27th Special Operations Wing, and, I, and I, I'm all all for it, very much behind it. This is where we need to go. But I'm a little worried that it might be too much too fast. And he chuckled and he looked at me and said, what do you think accelerate change means? You know, <laughs> and he absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like it, it is it is uncomfortable to step into the role of change and, and to lead through change at every level. But it's something that we have to do. And again, it's come from the very top that you know, the importance of that. So I would just encourage anyone to, uh, from the lowest level to, to whatever, uh, you know, level of influence and sphere of influence you, you operate in, uh, make your ideas heard and don't be afraid to, to lean into it and to lead boldly. LT? 
I like that story, sir, because one of the about 20 different definitions I wrote down for innovation, because it's a tough word to define, right, was uh, getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable because innovation is all about looking at things in a new context and thinking about things differently. So I guess all I would have to add from the 27 Spark Cell would be that everyone out there has valuable knowledge. Everybody out there has valuable capabilities. And just always remember that there are people who value that and want to listen and want to help you get that vetted in the right direction. Fantastic. And that's a good point about the people because it's, it's not the widget, right? It's our airmen are a competitive advantage. And that's, uh, that's an important thing to remember. So well said. Well, as that airman, I will do my best. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will see you next time on On Air Commandos. <laughs> <laughs>